Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll... what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 117 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in my basement with my dog, Charles Edwin. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. What's going on? You can hear Murph kind of in the background. He He's patiently waiting what for you, you to let for? him out. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got a poop. <laughs> me, me might have a little poopy. <laughs> that was strange. But anyway, guys, what's going on? We appreciate you guys for tuning in every week and listening to a couple of weirdos talk about hunting. We're back. We're back. We are back at it with a new series. Yeah, a new series. I know we like start series, guys. They kind of just keep cruising along, but it, <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's kind of like our process. I don't I don't know. They, they inch along, and they kind of jump all over the place, but, you know, it, it is what it is. This one's going to be good, and we may, we may trickle some uh, good hunting stories in here every once in a while, but... For sure. For sure. It's not going to be a huge series. It's going to be a little bit limited, you know, before season here. But it's going to be all Pennsylvania-based outdoor products. We're coming up on season. These are all super relevant to whitetail hunting. It's going to be pretty cool. I like it. Let's talk about our partners real quick. Okay. Real quick, first and foremost, we have Scree Gear. Um, you know, ScreeGear.com. You can go on, check them out. They have a lot of things right now in the outlet for sale. They got some really cool sales going on right now. They, and they sure got some do. new stuff. Guess what else they have? You've been asking for. They got solid colored pants, the hard scrabble pants in and brown. jacket and jacket. Yeah, yeah, boy. I was just worried about the pants, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stoked about that. And they're on sale, and they got new hoodies and new shirts and like guys. Go check it out. It's awesome. And everything's like on sale right now, it feels like. Yeah, it is. It's Constantly insane. on sale. Insane. Next one is VIP Archery. Um, you know, those guys just kill it. They're they're absolutely killing it. He's still, Matt is still coming up with new broadhead designs. He's assured me that he is not done designing new broadheads. So 
just keep checking it out. There's more things to come, better things to come. Just be patient with that. The website right now, they're having some issues with keeping things in stock and whatnot, but it's coming very soon. Yeah. Very soon. Awesome broadheads, guys. Awesome. And then out on limb manufacturing. Heck yeah, man. How can you not like them? I mean, I'm sure you guys need some sticks or stands right now or camera arms that you're looking at. Or a platform. Start or... right here at, at outonalimmfg.com. You know what else they have that's actually kind of cool, super relevant for this time of year? Mm-hmm. They have public land, not ready, public, they have public land, um, like, like, oh, brackets like, for your trail cameras. Yeah. Like, so it's not the screw and it's mm-hmm. like a bracket so it bounces to the tree. So you're not hurting the tree. It's public land legal. That's what I was looking that's, for right yeah. there. And, uh, dude, they're awesome. Check them out. I mean, right now, you want to throw out some cameras, it's the time to do it. It's velvet season, guys. Agrito burrito. Yeah, check that shit out. And last but not least, got to give a huge shout-out to Citizen Sunning Company for hooking us up with some patch hats. Look at how sweet this hat dude, is right Dude, the here. white and charcoal patch hats sold out in a day. Gnarly. A day. Yeah. But we do still have some patch hats in camouflage. Uh, it's got, like, the OG uh, Realtree camo on the front with the black backs. It's the low-profile hats that yep. kind of fit better to your head. It's not the 112s. I think they're the 111s. Um, but the Richardson hats, they're mm-hmm. in stock. We have some of those. We still have some of the charcoal and whites with the embroidered. Yep. And we also have those camo and black with the embroidered black as Super well. Cool. So yeah. for, like, turkey hunting and stuff, I, I like the embroidered better than the patch. It's just a weird thing of mine. It, yeah. I think turkeys can see everything. So I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but we do have those in stock, and I, and I got to mention – we also have our Patreon. Our Patreon has been an absolute blast with some of the guys that are on there. We have the Marco Polo group that we do. Um, we're constantly on there daily, just kind of checking in on each other, seeing what everyone's up to. I know you recently started where you've basically said, hey, come up with a non-negotiable goal for the week. And that is beautiful. Yeah, I love it, man. How many times this time of year you're like, I, I want to do, do this. Yeah, or I got to do it, but when am I going to find? And you just find excuses not to, right? Everybody's holding each other accountable. It's awesome. I, I really like what we have over there. So come join the Patreon. We have a bunch of tiers. I think we have four different tiers now, anywhere from $3 a month to $20 a month. And, you know, each one comes with their own benefits. But in all reality, I mean, that that alone is just going to go into money for us to upgrade equipment. You know, we got a couple new mics. We got, you know, the mixer board. And, and we're trying to improve this system. Not only that, but we want to improve the, the experience for when people come in to the actual rack jack once we get it up and running again again <laughs> <laughs> or and even here in the basement at the bar you yeah. know we want to have good stands and good mics everything sounds good. absolutely man i totally agree but that being said also guys if you could go out there wherever you're listening to this podcast give us a five-star review It'd be greatly appreciated it helps you know people like you find cool hunting shows like ours that's right <laughs> and we always say if you take a screenshot of that and send it to us we will send you a nice little sticker yeah, and Chuck will give you a high five, an air high five. I will put the high five in with the sticker. That's what I'm talking about. That's it. That's all, all right. I got. We got this week the first one for the series. This is Black Ash Outdoor Products, the Tree Stand Wingman. Super cool product, guys. We're going to get into it. Freaking sweet, man. I'm stoked. Let's get it going. All right, we are back with another episode. Tonight we are with two special guests. We are kicking off the brand new series. Austin wanted, he's really excited about this. He wanted to go out and reach out to a bunch of PA based companies. And the first one on the list was the Tree Stand Wingman. So we are sitting down with Wayne and Shauna Bogardis from just north on I 79, Sagertown, Pennsylvania. And let's not forget 
Sheba's with us as well, their dog. Guys, how are you doing tonight? And how's it going in beautiful Sagertown? Very good. Doing, doing very well. Doing very well. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, this is uh this is definitely exciting stuff. I mean, when he said tree stand wingman, I was like, absolutely. What what a company, what a product. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but we were the ones, well, myself and my brother were there. We did that little short interview with uh with Wayne there, I believe it was. Um, at the uh, the Pennsylvania show over in Harrisburg. Yep. Yeah, that was us. And uh, my son-in-law was doing the falls at the time. So kind of a family event fair thing. So, Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I've been seeing you out there for probably the last three years. I yeah. think we've been going out there and just watching you the, the previous two years climb up and down that ladder over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like five years and then two yeah. years ago, they didn't have it. Yeah. That's right. So we, yep. And then last year we were back again. My son was doing the falls for me. During that uh, 10 days, we usually average around 300 falls a day, about uh, 2,500 falls over the 10 days. So just at that, I've done probably 10,000 falls with wingman units. So, Oh, my Very goodness. Cool. <laughs> Fully reusable. So. Yeah, we generally pick one unit to use for the entire week, and that way we can show that the product is definitely reusable you know it may go a little sign of wear here and there but it's still going to keep you safe and get you down you know nobody's going to jump as many times as that no (laughs) oh my gosh that is that's a serious testament to that product too (laughs) like that is nobody tests their products like that come on now (laughs) No. well it's out in public too so everybody watched while we're doing all the testing so you know it's not like you just do videos and pick the best ones we did them all right there with hundreds of people watching so and i will say since 2016 which was the first year we went there we've never had a failure that's impressive that is impressive Hey, I believe which dog was at the show with you as well? Because I remember we interviewed your dog for a short moment. Is also that was a little bigger now. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say she wasn't that. She was a a pretty small dog at that point, but man, adorable, absolutely adorable. Yeah, she she just turned a year old in uh, March. Awesome, very cool. just a yearling, but she really enjoyed the show. She loved all the people, and I was so proud of her for the way she handled herself. So yeah, she was excellent, excellent. Well, while while we're talking, you know, family and dogs and everything, why don't we get into a little bit about uh, your guys's background? If you want to start on, just kind of introduce yourselves. Well, I think the 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 main part of the company is it's it's Wayne because he's the one who invented this. Um, I just came into it as kind of a helper, a worker, um, and to make it a woman-owned business. So, um, you know, we, we have that distinction too, but, um, most of everything that Wingman is, is because of Wayne. Um, he called me down to our barn one evening and said, look at this. And he jumped out of the rafters of the barn with this. <laughs> and he came to the ground. And I was like, oh, that's wonderful. What is it? <laughs> so then he explained it to me. And then, of course, I had to take a turn. And uh, I found out that if you're not using a 
properly fitted harness, it's not very much fun. <laughs> I can so, imagine. <laughs> after that, I got my own harness and had it fitted correctly before I did any other demonstrations. But um, I'll let Wayne tell you about where the inspiration for the product came and how he developed it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Wayne Bogardis and uh, the tree stand wingman was something I just developed. Uh, I started working on a prototype for a climbing tree stand. And when I got to looking at, you know, everyone has a harness with theirs. And I started looking at what was, you know, what was needed in a harness. Uh, the, they all seemed like they had, they had something missing with them. You know, a harness will stop the fall, but it will not get you to the ground. And you're just as apt to perish hanging in a harness as you are falling to the ground. So to me, you know, I'm not one that wants to leave something half done. You know, if you want to, safety to me is you're on the ground, unhooking, coming home. That That's safety to me. So I, I took what was already existing there and made the wingman to go with it. So you can take and put it with any harness, uh, attach us to the tree, you know, from the time you leave the ground to when you come back down, if anything happens, slip, fall, free stand slips, anything, it automatically lowers you to the ground. You do have the option to stop it if you want. You can stop it. Uh, if you do nothing, it just takes you to the ground. So uh, it took me about six weeks working on the project, uh, moving things around on the unit until I, you know, I worked for like six months on it and I put it away for a couple of weeks. And it would work for one weight, but it would work for all the weights. So then I started looking at uh, the cam. I invented a cam that would go on it that would help no matter if you just lightly fall into it, it'll put pressure on it. But if you really fall into it, like you stand breaks, you do a three foot fall, it'll catch your weight and it'll stop you appropriately. You know, because of the cam and the way it's set in there, it slows you down to about the same speed. And in all our testing, the average weight that you normally feel on a fall is about 400 pounds of force. And if you didn't have the wingman on and you did the same falls, you would generate between 1,100 and 1,300 pounds of force. Oh, wow. So just a major reduction in that. So that's, you know, it's like I told, you know, people say, well, there's this other product. I'm like, well, you bring it over. And I said, we'll take turns jumping off the ladder. And when, you know, you can't do it anymore, you know, we'll, we'll figure out which product was better. You know, and most of them are just one-time use ones. And we had a couple of guys down in Harrisburg. They had, there was four of them. They come in and bought wingmen. Well, they had another brand. Uh, I won't go into who it was, but it was a one-time use thing. Well, then they come back the next year and, oh, we love the product. You know, we all test them. They work good. And I'm like, well, that's good. And they said, well, they went out and tested their other, their old ones they had. And I said, oh, I said, I wish you would have asked me because I said, I would have told you never to do that. Yeah. I said, because. Those can either come out really fast, they can come out okay, or they can not come out at all. And the really fast one is there's no way to slow them down or stop them. Mine at any time during a fall, if I want to stop it, I can always stop the fall. Hmm. So, you know, we heard, uh, we had a guy who did marketing and they did a film shoot for one company and the guy jumped out and never slowed him down. First time they did a film shoot. It was a free fall. Free fall on camera. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, and these guys, well, they said, well, it was okay because none of them let us down. You know, they just held them. You know, none of them 
did a free fall, but they didn't lower them either. And, and they were all together, so they could help each other. Yeah, still, if somebody was falling out of a tree at that speed, you wouldn't have time to help anybody. Yeah. Right. No. I mean, we've done so much testing. We just did a series of industrial testing here. Oh, was it last fall? January. It was January. And, you know, that's more in-depth than what the, the outdoor industry one is. And they have a whole series of tests for that. We went through the first series, and we did. we passed all those. And while we're in this area, the guy said, well, there was a, for industrial testing, the ultimate test is the leading edge test. And what they do is they take and they attach the end of the webbing one place, and then they come over six feet over. So, and then they put a razor edge there. And when you, they drop it, it comes down along that razor edge and lowers it down. It's, it's to simulate falling over the edge of a building. Yeah, it's called leading edge mm, test. Okay. okay, okay. Or like a cliff for rock climbers kind of thing? Oh, no, for industrial, like the edge of the building. Gotcha, Wait. okay. Just specifically, this test is for, for the edge of the building. Got it. For all industrial. And, and, you know, this is a razor edge. They had plastic on it, and I'm a tool maker. So, you know, when they took it off there and I looked at that edge, and I'm thinking, this is polyester webbing. I don't know if it's going to work. Well, then the guy started lifting it up. It was 300 pounds. I said, well, how high are you lifting? He goes, well, it has to be 48 inches. <laughs> so you're dropping 300 pounds, four feet, onto a razor edge on polyester. And he dropped it and lowered it down just like it was supposed to. Just two little nicks on the webbing. You know, and he's, the guy doing the testing said he had had cable fail on that test before. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of very big eyes at that yeah, when particular that actually... test because we were just flabbergasted that it worked so well didn't have any problem passing that yeah that's some serious webbing holy smokes yeah, yeah. well it's not necessarily the webbing it's the fact that every, every other product holds you stops you and that gives you that jolt that you know the impact quick, force quick stop well when you come to the end of ours you're going to start down the webbing so instead of having that 12, 1,400 pounds of force, you have 400 pounds tops. And that's a big difference if you're doing a fall. I mean, we've watched some of the, the videos and stuff, and we've even shot them of our product when we do stuff. And uh, it's just a big difference. You know, you don't think in two or three feet you can generate that much force. But if you don't have something like the wingman on there, the amount of force you generate is a lot. I mean, it's you'll have a lot of soft tissue damage, uh, dislocation, injuries. you know, all kinds of injuries because of just the force of coming to the end of your, your lanyard. And, you know, typical lanyards sewn over, and those are made to rip at... Uh, 500 pounds of force. At 500 pounds of force. And our first series of testing down in uh, Baton Rouge, uh, we did the first test there, and it, I think it was a, a 220 or 300 pound dummy. It was the 220. It was a 220 pound dummy with a five foot free fall. And we had it all set up. I had this old junkie harness there I took down to use it. And the guy didn't even want to do the test. He said, you know, if that harness fails, I'll have to fail you. And he said, those typically, you know, they're the ones that come with the, the, the black ones that come with the tree stands. Okay. So we had it all set up and he dropped it. It come down and lowered to the ground, and we're looking at each other. Well, that went well, you know. And he's like, "Oh, something's wrong. Something broke." I'm like, "Well, the harness is good. The wingman's good. The dummy's fine." He said, "No." He said, "That had to rip your harness." He goes, "Those ripping 500 pounds of force." Well, we were like 387 pounds of force, <laughs> and he 
he couldn't believe, you know, that we didn't generate that much force. So then the next one, he took the exact same harness and the dummy and did the same fall without the wingman on it. And I thought the apparatus he had on was going to break. It hit so hard, ripped every bit of the stitching out of the harness, broke the front of the, the shoulder on that harness, and the dummy was hanging there ready to fall out. Wow. And I said, that's when I realized how much force just falling in. If you did a three, four foot fall in your harness out of a stand, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be seriously hurt. Even with the ripstop on the lanyards, you'd get, you know, it's it was it's, still 1100. Yeah, it's sewn over like three times, so you're going to get at least two really hard jolts. So that yeah. ripstop that's on there, that's actually what they're using as like the initial impact, like cushion, essentially. Yeah, exactly. it's a slowing device is basically what it does is each one of those rips. But that all happens in a split second. I mean, she t you know, you say three jolts, they're going to be happening in a fraction of a second, you know, bang, bang. And there you are at the end of it. And then you're going to hit the full force of it. But when they did that, when it was 1,100 pounds with the same dummy that we generated 387 pounds with. So. Well, and, and the tester down there told us that the, the force could be up to... 1800 pounds on say a 300 pound person yeah and that's up to you know you could really seriously you could have back damage and everything else with that you know paralyzed it stuff like so that. that's so. pretty much negates the argument from people who say they don't need this product you know that say well you know my harness will catch me and i'll be fine mm -hmm. well if your harness catches you and you've already done damage to your back and your spine um, you could have soft tissue damage, you know, in your groin area from leg straps. And depending on what happened that caused you to fall in the first place, you might hit your head, you might hit your arm. You know, there's well, a real good chance that you're not going to be able to do any kind of self-rescue if you're hanging in a harness. Yeah, about three years ago down in Harrisburg, I was doing falls. And I looked out in the middle and there was a kid just standing there. And, you know, how traffic goes there, you know, hundreds of people going by. Well, he just stood there. And normally, they'll either ask a question or something. So I did three or four falls and showed him how it worked. And I, I said, you know, do you have a question or is something bothering you? He said, well, his friend could have used that. And I said, well, what happened? Well, I guess they went out hunting that fall in September. And him and his buddy. And at noon and at 5 o'clock or after dark, he went back to the truck and his buddy didn't show up. So the guy's dad was there, and they went looking for him. And this was, uh, I think you said he was 20 years old. He was 20 years he was, old. He was a wrestler. Wrestler in high school in really good shape. And him and his, this kid and the other guy's dad went hanging in the tree, and when he fell, he hit his head. Oh, no. He, so he knocked himself out. He never had a chance to rescue, and he was, he was passed away. You know, so, you know, a guy, my, the only thing I do well now is down. You know, there was no way I could get back up in the stand. So this is what I do. I go down, you know, my harness lowers me down and then I can worry about it another day. Uh, this fall here, we had a, a fellow, an, another guy that had fallen with a wingman on. And he talked to Sean. I want you to tell him that story. Well, I got a call from this guy and he said, hey, he says, I wanted to tell my buddy fell out of the tree stand last week. And I said, oh. I said, is he okay? He said, yeah, he's fine. And I said, he had a wingman. He said, yes. And I said, and he was using it. And he said, 
Yes, he was. He said, I made sure he got one when I saw them. He came to the Harrisburg show as well, and, and so he made sure this guy got one. And he said, I'm sending you a picture. And so I get the picture, and I'm talking to him. I'm opening my email, and I see this picture, and he says, my buddy is 86 years old. <laughs> no way. And I'm looking at him, and what he had done was he had fallen, gotten out of the stand, and he went back, and he got his friend, and they went back in, and then he climbed back into his harness as it was hanging above the ground, and he had this little thumbs-up picture like he was waving at me. And I'm looking at it, and I said to his friend who was talking to me, I said, did he put that stand in the tree by himself? He said, yep, he does everything. It was a climbing stand. No and way. It wasn't, wasn't one of the little lightweight ones that we're now seeing. It was a big stand. <laughs> and this guy was huge. I bet he weighed maybe 140 pounds soaking wet. Wow. And so um, he, he said that the gentleman's wife wanted to thank me because she didn't want to be a widow. And that they were both so happy with it. And I looked at it and I said, you know, did he bump into the tree as he was coming down? He didn't get any bruises or anything. I said, nope, there's not a scratch on him. He's just fine. And he said, I'm, I want to send our wingmen back in so that we can have them checked over and recertified. And I think he wanted some special modification on his. Which yeah, I think I upgraded the program. So he sent them back, and we we took care of them and sent them back to them. But it was it just it did my heart such good to see that this guy was 86 years old and he's still able to be out in the woods and hunt. And now he was it, what shooting at a deer. He was he was actually shooting at a deer, and when the gun went off, I think the recoil knocked him off his feet. <laughs> Man. <laughs> And you know, I don't, I don't know if he ever, if he got that deer. I, I kind of think he did. More importantly, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the highlight was was the wingman. <laughs> was hunting because I knew he'd lie to me anyway. So, <laughs> but, but I was very happy to get that. And we do plan to, um, when we update our website, we're going to put his picture on there. Excellent. Oh. Excellent. Well, that is all absolutely fabulous and wonderful background of the product itself. And I mean, I can, I can hear the passion in both of your voices as you talk about the product. And I'm, I'm actually wondering, you know, have you always had like this passion for the outdoors? What was, you know, what was something that got you into the outdoors that made you even come up with the idea for starting this product? Well, I've, I've been ever since I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, my dad would go rabbit hunting. Beagle would bring the rabbit around. My dad would shoot it. I'd go get it and bring it out to the to the pole, you know. And the first three or four years, I hunted that way. And uh, my dad hunted, and uh, we had good friends hunted with us. And, you know, it was just what you did in the fall. And when I got 18 or 19, I started hunting from tree stands. Well, first tree stand I had was a TSS, which was just like a wooden platform. And it kind of had the band that come up around the tree. And I didn't know any better. I was up 30 feet a lot of times. The wind would blow. I just hugged the tree. You know, I didn't I didn't know people could get hurt or killed. You know, it didn't look 20 feet. That didn't look that far. You know, 20, right. 30 feet. 
But, you know, once I started doing research, you know, to come up with the wingman, then I started getting, wow, I was really taking some big risks back then, just, just not knowing, you know, what could happen. And, you know, then you, you go to these places and everybody knows somebody who fell out of a tree stand. They're either, you know, some people pass away, some people are quadriplegics. You know, at one time in Erie there, I think it was three years ago, there was five people in intensive care. Uh, All at the same time. Yeah, and there was two or three of them, you know, were in real bad shape. And actually one of them was our uh, patent attorney's secretary. His wife. When we first started uh-huh. doing the, the paperwork, she had mentioned, well, my husband got hurt, you know. So every time I would see the attorney, I said, well, how's his, how's your secretary's husband doing? You know, just making conversation. And he'd say, oh, not good. Well, this was like a year later, I asked him again. He said, oh, he's not good. I'm like, well, how bad was he? I mean, you know, most of the people were at least, the one guy I knew broke his ankle pretty bad. And he was back in like six months. And this guy still was. He said, oh, no, he broke his neck. He said, he'll, he'll never, you know, wow. he'll never again. And actually, a, another guy, a marketing guy up in Northeast we were talking to, he took a big interest in the wingman also, and his brother had fallen uh, years before that. And he said, this guy just lived to hunt, and he fell out of a stand, broke his neck. He said he kind of has a constant migraine. And he said everybody tries to, you know, if they go hunting somewhere, they always call him and tell him how everything's going because he wants to keep involved with it. And then when somebody else calls, he can tell, you know, well, Joe's over here doing this or Sam, you know, just seen two bucks over here. And, it, you know, because he just he wanted to be out there so bad, but he can't he can't do it anymore. So you know, when you hear stories like that, you know, we have the same people come back to Harrisburg, everyone that buys them, they come back every year and they tell me how they're using them and maybe ideas of things I can change, you know, and this and that. So it's kind of like a little fraternity, you know, like five or six groups of four or five guys that come in every year and I usually stop doing the jumps, go down and talk to them and see how they're doing and, you know, how their hunting's going and, you know, keeps everything. It's just nice to talk to them, you know, and hear their stories about hunting and how they can adapt, you know, how they hunt uh, with the wingman in it to make their, their hunting safe. Oh, certainly. And I feel like if you talk to hunters like you guys do, you do run into this more often than not. Somebody knows somebody that fell out of a tree stand or had a close call and, you know, now they're scared. And it really is. This thing is like a peace of mind to take out in the woods with you and, and know that you're going to get down safely. Yeah. Everybody knows somebody. Yeah. I, I can tell you this, you know, since 2016, I've been down there. And Wayne was always doing the demonstration. So I did a lot of talking to people on the ground. And I've heard... A lot of stories um you know i had two guys within 20 minutes tell me one was a father whose 20 year old son became a paraplegic because he fell asleep in a stand and fell out and he retired to take care of he son. retired to take care of his son and then 20 minutes later another guy tells me that you know we were four four days too late because his brother fell out of a tree and, and died yeah, he fell out in like September, and then he just died like a couple of weeks before the show. Before the show. Yeah. So, uh, and over the years, talking to people and talking to a lot of um, a lot of family members, and there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to get their wives or their girlfriends to hunt, but they're afraid of heights. And um, 
I've told them that, you know, if you get them used to using a tree stand wingman, because you can literally stand on your stand and lean into your harness. And, and as long as your feet remain on the stand, you can lean into it and it won't let you down. Hmm. So it gives you that sense of security so that you don't have to be constantly worrying about where your feet are, if you're gonna step off the stand. I mean, we've literally had people who told us that they shot a deer and forgot they were on a stand and just stepped off, <laughs> you know? Jeez. So, but then you get, get these people that are so afraid to go up, you know, say, well, you know, practice with it, practice with it. and get used to the feeling of your body being the harness, you know, get used to that. And then if something catastrophic happens, you will have some muscle memory. So your adrenaline rush won't be so terrible. You know, you'll know you're going to be okay. And so we always, we always people try it out. You know, make sure that it's set to the speed. You can adjust your rate of speed for your fall. So uh, uh, adjust it. You know, get used to it. Get comfortable with it. And it's going to make your hunting experience that much better. Because you can concentrate on what's going on around you and what's coming in more than your physical being on a stand. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the problem I have now. I've done so many falls that... I don't even, you know, I could drop, jump out of a stand and drop of a hat, you know, just because, you know, I'm just not afraid. And that's probably not a good thing either. But then I always make sure no matter what, from the ground all the way up, all the way down, I always have it attached, you know, secured, and I'm in my harness. So, you know. Well, that's a good point right there to even mention, Wayne, is about going the whole way up and the whole way back down. So, are you using something like a lifeline to do that? Or how are you, um, when you're climbing into the stand and going up, how are you uh, being attached to the tree at all times? Yeah, so if I'm using like a ladder stand mm -hmm. or uh, climbing sticks uh, with a lock on, what I do is I will, I use a lifeline with it, and then I have a tree strap when I get up there. I run that through the wingman that I unhook once I'm a attached to the tree then I, then I come with the wingman on the tree strap and then I reverse it back down so there's never that point where I'm not hooked and I just run the lifeline back down now with a climber I just use like a six foot tree strap which is mm -hmm. similar to a lifeline it has a prussic knot and I just move that up and that way you know I hunt all year and I have my wingman moved up within a, probably about six inches of the warning label so I hunt all year I never have to move it. If I fell out of the stand, it would lower me down, you know, and then I could rethread it and go back up. But uh, which similar to the guy who fell out there shooting at the deer, he had a friend go back and they took another, another tree stand and went up and got that one down. Uh, but when he did it, he had the wingman there and he can rethread it as he's going back up to get his other stand down. So, you know, you just gotta be creative and you gotta remember that if you're not attached, you're not yeah. safe. And, you know, that's what I had yeah. one guy said. He stopped by last year. He was like, oh, great product. I love it. I tested it. You know, everything works great. He said, I, every time I get in a stand, I put it on. I said, well, what do you do going up and down? Oh, I'm not going to fall going up and down. I said, if I could tell you when you're going to fall, I'd tell you when to hook that up. <laughs> and you're going to 
time from the time you leave the ground do you come back down? And, you know, I've heard, you know, people say, well, I have a ladder stand. I can't fall. I'm like, well, down at uh, Buckmaster, there was three guys within about 10 minutes told me about falling out of ladder stands. You know, the stand broke, the chain broke. If you're up 12, 14 feet and you fall, it doesn't matter what stand you fell from. It's going to be the same result. You know, and the thing with like a lifeline, it goes up the side of the stand. So if you fall out of a ladder stand, it's just going to hang you beside the stand. And if you can't get back onto it, you're just as bad as, you know, if you'd fall. I just want to mention a couple other things about harnesses. When we went down for the testing, uh, I had those cheap harnesses there. And the guy doing the testing said, well, you know, when we test for the harnesses, they only have to hold you for 30 seconds. I said, 30 seconds? That, you know... That ain't going to get you time to do much. He said, well, it's not really for the hunter. That's for liability for the tree seeding manufacturers. What that'll do is it'll stop you, and then you're going to fall feet first to the ground. So you won't probably die. You won't have the head trauma, or, you know, you'll get the feet first fall. And he said some of the first harnesses had a razor blade in the lanyard. And once you fell and got caught, you were supposed to cut off your lanyard and come down the tree, either fall or shimmy down the tree, whatever you could. And you know, both those things, I'm like, no, uh, you know, that's kind of a precarious position to be in, you know, 12 to 14 to 20 feet off the ground. So that's kind of why we, we do what we do here. You know, we actually make a harness, a safety harness is what I say. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy that they, oh man, I can't even imagine that they put a razor blade in there for you to <laughs> try and self rescue. Well, my I, goodness. I asked him, is that for the lanyard or is that to slit your throat with? Uh, I didn't know which which you were supposed to use the razor for, but he said, no, that was to cut you out of the harness so you could fall to the ground. Oh, my. I said, yeah, I think that would be a good chance of getting hurt doing that alone, you know. Yeah, that, that would take a, a bit of uh, persuasion from me to do that myself as well. But I, I understand well, also, though, you're, you can't sit in a – a harness for extremely long period of time because you start to lose blood circulation and that can also lead to dangerous situations. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's when I started doing that, I started researching on the harnesses and you know, you got suspension trauma. And so I started looking at them like, well, you know, let's say five minutes, you start to get the pooling in your legs and I'm like, I can hold water. So I went up and suspended myself just to see, I tell you what, two minutes, it gets very uncomfortable. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think you'd want to You do can be unconscious in as little as 15 minutes. Because what happens is the leg straps restrict the blood flow back up to your upper body and your brain. And what happens is was gravity starts pulling that blood down into your legs. And your brain is telling your heart, hey, I'm not getting enough blood here. So the heart starts to pump faster putting more blood down into your legs and less to your head, and then you pass out. And once you pass out, it's over. Well, that's the thing with it. When the blood goes away from your heart, it's going through the the arteries or the veins. And when that's at high pressure, when it comes back, it's coming through the veins, which is right next to the, you know, top of your skin. So it pretty much just cuts off the blood coming back. So once it pumps it out of your chest cavity, your heart beats faster and faster. The thing is losing blood. Well, it's just not getting back to the heart. And eventually you have a heart attack. And that was another thing when I was doing the research on uh, 
safety with harnesses. Uh, typically every year there's between 25, 26 people die from falls in, in the United States. And over the same amount of time, they consider about 23 or 24 people are found hanging in their harnesses. But they only consider anybody who's under 50 as being suspension trauma death. What they say, anybody uh, under 50, they had a heart attack first and fell out. They say anybody over 50 had a heart attack first and then was found in their harness, which if both of them are heart attack. You couldn't tell one from the other. But if that number was added to the number, uh, the 50 and under, there would be, uh, I think it was like 75 every year die that are over 50. So you'd have almost 100 people die hanging their harnesses compared to 25 people die from the falls. Wow. That so, is wild. So that's what I'm like, you know, and Pennsylvania does a pretty good job in safety. I mean, they're real good on gun safety. Uh, I know now last year they had about, you know, everyone wear a harness, uh, which is a good program, but you need to take that final step and tell everybody, you know. They need a descender. You, you, you just need a descender system. And, you know, we're not talking mandating, just through education, you know, tell people that, you know, tell them what's going to happen. You know, that's the biggest thing that made me upset about the harness. They never told me that I needed to cut that off, carry a knife with you to cut your right. lanyard off all out i mean that wasn't part of you know any of the education i'm like i need to know what happens when things go bad yeah definitely you know? i guess they just assume but, that people are going to be able to self-rescue i mean but that's not possible most of the yeah time. but at the same sense too i mean i i don't remember my entire hunter safety course when i was 12 or 11 years old but i don't remember them ever going over tree stand safety or you know harness safety or anything like that they're starting to add it in now, and we actually even got them to put a little blurb on the um, CDs that they put out. I don't know if they even put CDs out anymore. I mean, probably on the thumb drives or QR codes, but they did put a mention of uh, descender systems. Excellent. Now, you know, they, they don't want to, you know, advertise for the tree stand wingman, of course, you know, but there are other descender systems out there um, none of them works as well as ours and the other ones that say they're reusable they are if you send them back to the company and get them reset there mm, okay well, so they have our, to factory refurbish the thing then yeah ours you don't have to do that unless you you know we like you to keep track of your your units and make sure that you know the bolts seem to be okay um when you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard. And Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. 
the like, rollers are okay. You and like every four years or so to send them back. Yeah, the back webbing, you should always, always check your webbing before you go out because you never know, a mouse might chew it. And if there's a nick or a kink in that webbing, that can stop you from going down. Yeah. I mean, even the slightest thing can, can you know, do that. But, um, you know, usually in a situation just like our friend, you know, he wanted to send his back, but they'd had them for a couple of years before this actually happened. And so, you know, it was time, mm -hmm. but, you know, they mm -hmm. wanted it checked since they used it in an emergency situation. Definitely. So. Definitely. Well, we've mentioned several times now how this is a reusable product. And, and I know Wayne mentioned a couple of times rethreading the product. Get into that mm -hmm. just a little bit. Explain to me from like top to bottom how that works, rethreading it and reusing the product. Okay, yeah. Basically, like I said, I move mine clean up to the top, and I just either use the lifeline or I use a pressic knot with a climbing. So I really don't move it much. Now, if you fall out, you're going to come down the unit. The, the unit actually comes down the webbing. So now it's down at the bottom, and you just basically take it and rethread it around each roller. There's four ro rollers in there and a cam. And you just go back up through the falls I do down there. I think it takes about 15 seconds to rethread one after I do a fall, like down Harrisburg. That's about an 18-foot fall. So, you know, it's 15 seconds. Yeah, so and it's super quick. Usually what we do is, you know, if you get one, I usually go out and tell them to go out to the garage, go up five or six feet, suspend yourself. As long as you're holding the webbing in your hand. You know, you put two fingers of pressure, just pull down on it with two fingers of pressure, you can hold yourself. And then you just open your hand and check your fall rate. And, you know, you can do 10, 15 falls, get to you feel comfortable with it, rethread it. Then, you you know, you know how the whole operation works. When you go hunting with it, you just take it out and put it around the tree and you're ready to go. Uh, we do have a video on the website that shows the rethreading. Okay. So you can, you can look at that and it shows that it's, it's pretty simple. You know, you just kind of go one loop at a time through it. And, you know, once you get the hang of it, it's so easy. But, you know, when the first time you try it, it, it might feel a little awkward. But, definitely, um, you know, that's why we tell people to practice with it. Make sure that, you know, it also helps to make sure they have their harness adjusted, adjusted properly. properly. Because if your harness is not adjusted properly for your body, you can slide through it and still get a jolt. Right, so, right. You know, because the wingman isn't going to engage until your body engages. Yeah, yeah, because that holds about 400 pounds. So, you know, if you're leaning out, you're only holding about maybe 150, 200 pounds on your upper torso. So until you actually come off and break, you know, that amount of weight, pressure then it'll start lowering you down so i mean i can go up and set up climbing sticks i go up above it and i wrap that around the tree and i sit down in my harness it holds me in place while i'm putting the straps on and if anything i rolled off the sticks you know it would just lower me to the ground but it's got enough uh, resistance to it that it'll hold me in place while i'm doing all that work so instead of wrestling with your sticks you know trouble with like a lineman's belt is it holds you right to you know, everything's right in front of you. Yeah, it's where right you where you're trying to work. to work. Whereas I have mine up above and I come down and sit. It's holding the sticks up above me. Then I put those straps on. I keep going up and, you know, I can pull the stand up and I'm, I'm always hooked up that way. So it's just a lot easier to do it 
with the wingman in the, in the system is not. Plus, if anything happens, you could be lowered to the ground. So. Actually, interestingly enough, the first wingman that we ever sold, um, the gentleman that bought it, he, he really seemed to have a little bit of trouble figuring out how to use it. And we had been at a bow hunter festival in Forksville, PA, and we met with him there and Wayne worked with him and, and told him how to use it. And that following February, he came into the booth and told us that the wingman had saved his life. And he hunted with it all season, had no problems whatsoever. But when he went to take his stand down at the end of the season, um, he was still using his wingman. And when he undid one of the straps, the whole stand just collapsed out from underneath. And he said he thought for a minute he was dead because he he forgot that he was actually using his wingman. And he said then it was like little angels had him by the shoulders and just brought him right down. <laughs> that was like amazing. <laughs> he was so happy. And and I said, well, we'd love to use your story. And he says, oh, you can't use my name. And he said, if my wife finds out I fell out of that tree, he said, I'll never go out again. <laughs> Come on. Now it's a testament. It worked. He's fine. Yeah. Well, we told him we use the story, but we would change the name. But well, we also sold one to the, the one kid there. Uh, this woman came there and she's, her and her husband were separated, getting a divorce and she didn't think her husband took good enough care of the kid when they were out hunting, so she wanted him to have a wingman when he went hunting. So it was like we sold him one, showed him how to use it, and he left. And next day on Facebook, he was showing jumping off. Uh, he had an antenna. The television antenna beside their house. <laughs> they were hooking on it, jumping off from it. And, uh, you know, I said, well, you're not supposed to. It's supposed to be a tree, a structure, you know, able to hold it. He said, oh, it's okay. His dad did it before he did. I'm like, yeah, you yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. But sticking with the product as well, I, I kind of i am wondering, I'm picturing it in my head as you guys talk about it, and obviously I've seen it, but as a listener who hasn't seen the product yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned, Wayne, you roll that thing all the way up to you a little bit just below like the safety label on it, yeah. on the product. And then um, from there, it attaches to your actual harness um, tether, yeah. correct? Yeah, there's an elongated slot in the bottom of it. The top part goes to either the tree or to the lifeline or whatever you have it hooked to. Mm-hmm. It's a loop and then the warning label and then the wingman unit. And the wingman units, uh, two pieces of 6061 aluminum, and then there's bolts that hold all together. There's a serpentine pattern there with a cam on it. Your lanyard from your harness hooks to the elongated slot. And as long as that's attached, the top part's attached to the tree, if anything happens, you fall down, it'll just lower you down the webbing. Something else I do, too, when I get to the stand, I'll take and hook my bow. There's a loop on the bottom end. I put my bow and day pack onto the under the, that, the bottom end of the webbing. And when I get up there, then I have a haul rope. So I pull up my bone day pack, get everything situated. Uh, and then I roll up the webbing and put it in the fanny pack behind me. And if anything happens, you fall, it bounces out of there and then you come down and stand. And like I said, I mean, if you fell a couple of feet, you stopped it, you could get back on the back on the ladder and back up the stand for your friends see you fell, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, for haven't seen it i mean it weighs the whole whole 
unit with 30 feet of webbing and the unit itself and the gear bag weighs less than two pounds. Wow. Yeah, that is that is crazy. It, it really is a really slimline little product. Like, I feel like people, right. if they don't understand what this is in their head, go to the website and check it out and, and really get a good feel for it. But it is not what you're imagining, this big thing. It's this mm-hmm. very slim little little product. Oh, it, it's no bigger than, a, you know, a carabiner that you might carry. Some of the carabiners nowadays, I mean, in all reality, it, it's not much bigger than that. But really, I like that you touched on what you do with the slack end of of the actual um, webbing, because that's what I was thinking about what you do with the slack end of the webbing and how you just put it in the pouch um, makes a lot of sense. You just basically roll it up. But what I like, that little tip is using it as a uh, as a haul rope for either your bow or your bag. Uh, you know, that eliminates some another rope in, in your pouches. When You know, I know when I used to use my climber a lot, I always had a pouch on each side. And, you know, tied to each one, there was a, there was a bow hold pull on one side and usually a pull rope on the other side for my bag. And then, you know, whatever else might've been in those, but that took up some room and sometimes they got buried. So it's nice to know that you can kind of dual purpose this unit. One, it's going to save your life if you ever do fall and you really need it. And then two, uh, you know, you can use it for other purposes. Hopefully you never yeah. actually have to use it for the intended use, but I really like what you're saying about how it will kind of hold you there for hanging sticks or, you know, you can lean into it a little bit. That way, you know, if you get kind of close to the edge, you know, you can set it to, to where it kind of tugs on you a little bit and it's not going to let you fall out. Yeah, you, you can lean right out to it and it won't move. Yeah, there was another guy there I talked to. Uh, he said he also used the excess down there he put a set of rattling horns on it and just bounce <laughs> up but that way man they're not looking up at you he said they hear the leaves and the rattling and the horns which is more realistic than a guy up in a tree rattling you know i've wanted to do that for years i've heard people do that and i really really wanted to do that for years but man I have just never pulled myself to try it. I, I think I've tried it one time, but usually, um, I'll, I'll tell you a short story. One time, I had a uh, a buck that came through in the rut, and it was late in the evening, and he kind of got past me, and I rattled. And when I, I rattled, I was in a tree, I was in a ladder stand, and um, he started to kind of get interested and look my way, but he kept working off. And I, I remember from just thinking someone else doing that, I actually took the rattling antlers and I threw them down on the ground to make some noise, yeah. just to <laughs> shuffle them through the leaves. And sure enough, that deer actually did come back around. I, I didn't get a shot. It got too dark. But I'm telling you, there's something to be said. That's uh, that's not a bad well, tactic either. told us about doing that. Um, he got two nice bucks that way. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... It, it seemed to be his lucky charm. It worked for him. <laughs> in the right yeah, I circumstance. Every, I can see it. Engaged, every time I had a deer engaged in coming in, they were always trying to get downwind of you, too. So you kind of want to put something where they can, either a prick or something, mm-hmm. you know, get down. Uh, first time I rattled was down in Texas. I did a gun hunt down there in a ranch, and I rattled in a real nice 10-point. And it, it's definitely exciting in the rut to have a nice buck come in and, you know, get aggressive and everything. It's it's fun. We've had well, we were still dating that time, down place we usually hunt, and uh, there was a buck down along. I'd see him down at the bottom of the creek side. We were up on the top of the hill. She, Shauna was on the ground, and I just climbed a tree. I didn't even have a stand, 
and I rattled, and he didn't pay any attention. I kept rattling, grunting, and there was a field up above us, and all of a sudden I see a doe come down out of that field. Boy, he seen that doe. And for about 10 minutes, they ran back and forth underneath me. I'd rattle, and the doe would come by, and the buck would be behind her, and I'd get the bow up, and he'd run by. I never did get a shot at him. <laughs> one time, where Shauna was at, and I'm like, he was standing. I could just see the horns in her head standing there. He was standing that close to her, and he turned real quick and then got back where she could get a shot. But it, it was just neat. You know, we didn't get the deer, and we just had a good time, but it was uh, it was interesting. Yeah, they that time of year, it's it's fun to be out there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Now, for the people out there, I know most people who have heard this so far, it's an awesome sounding product. I'm sure people are thinking that this thing is $500. You know, I know it's not. I want you guys to get into it here for a second. But kind of kind of tell people the couple of different products that you guys offer and then the different price points of them. Well, we have two different um, models. Outdoor. And the, um, the reason we did that was we had a, a fella, he didn't really want to take care of his gear too much. He just wanted to have a whole bunch of wingmen and hang them around in trees. And so we decided that our original product just had um, steel shoulder bolts. And so we thought, well, we probably should have stainless so we got some stainless steel bolts and we were making them, but then we had some hunters that were complaining a little bit because they didn't want that shiny stuff on anything they took out in the woods. Yep, yep. So what we've done is we've gone through a process that it makes it uh, like stainless steel, but it's not quite as bright and shiny. It still is shinier. And that we call our Pro Series model. And it's, you know, all weather. If you get it wet, you probably, I just cringe to say, you can throw it in the corner and it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't I don't like to see anybody do that. I mean, you know, if you take your product out and you, you got ice and snow on it and it gets wet, you want to take that webbing and get it dried off. But then we had the guys that were like, well, we can't have that shiny stuff. So we made them with um, black oxided bolts that are just a matte black and the webbing is black so everything is dark and nothing is reflective and that we call our blackout model and the um, pro series right now goes for a hundred and forty dollars uh, if you buy it from our website there is no shipping and no taxes or if you're out of state but if you're in pennsylvania we do have to put the pa sales tax on there yeah yeah so, and then the blackout model the bolts aren't quite as expensive to deal with so that one goes for 120 super and, super reasonable both of them i mean it, right. that's the price of a, of a good harness you know realistically realistically it's the price of a shirt i've <laughs> yeah. i've, I've Watch people spend $150 on a shirt down at the Harrisburg show. And I look at them and I say, that's a real nice shirt. But when you hit the ground, what is it going to do for you? Yeah, I'd love to see that shirt save get, your life. It's going to get covered in blood. <laughs> it's not going to be nice anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and, you know, they're made here. You put your order in and I usually get them off and get them shipped within a day. And so it's, 
you know, the U.S. Postal Service second day air, you, you'd have it within two or three days. That is so. unreal. That's absolutely awesome. You said it's made there. They're 100% made in PA. Yes. Yes. That's real. Very, very cool. Very cool. Really and they're all nice. tested by Wayne, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I wouldn't even know how many falls I've done. You know, <laughs> just oh. quite a few. And the other thing about them is we have made them so that they can be adjusted by the user. Generally, when you buy a wing, it's set so that if you weigh around 200 pounds, somewhere in that area, you're going to have a pretty decent rate of fall. But you can adjust it to make it go slower or faster. Now, I know you guys have been down to the show at Harrisburg, and Wayne falls pretty fast down there. But that's because it um, he's not in a real-world situation. In the, in the real world, if you come off your stand, you're going to kind of bump against a tree, and that friction is going to slow you down some. Yeah. Well, he's a also, seasoned professional, too. I mean, how many jumps does he have under his belt? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. You know? And him a little faster is kind of good for, you know, for the show purposes. But um, so you can make it go faster or slower if you want to. There's mm -hmm. also a video. You have a YouTube channel, Tree Stand Wingman, that has a bunch of videos on how to use it. If you have questions, you can call us. Um, our number is on the website. And you will get either him or I to talk to you and walk you through whatever questions you have, whatever you need. Um, the one thing when we started this company, I said I will never make it so that people have to talk to a machine, you know, and get in a phone queue for and press 500 buttons. When I answer the phone, I answer the phone, you know. So, so we're talking to you guys. We're not talking to India. No, no, not at all. Perfect. So you have that and, you know, you can, you can adjust these. We have guys that are close to 400 pounds that are using them. We have young people and women that are, you know, under a hundred pounds that are using them. So, you know, we can work with you on that. We can factory set it for any given weight that you may want um, before we ship it out. So it would be preset when you get it, you know, that, that entails a phone call, but, um, you know, like we said, you can, you can start your young kids out using these, um, 60, 70 pounds lower, um, for, for them to use it. And like I said, I know we have guys that are over 400 pounds using these successfully. Yeah. That's a huge range of people too. Like, Anybody can use uh -huh. this thing realistically. I mean, obviously. Yep. It's simple to use once you get used to it. You know, if you could just make it a habit, it's pretty much like seatbelts. Kind of make you sure know. everything's good. You know, mm -hmm. August is when you start to hear of the first the accidents, people getting back into their, their Trying to set stands, you know, for the first time, especially the lock-ons. So cables break or something breaks on them. And, you know, now's the time you pull your wingman out. Now, there's a couple people that we have that bought it for their kids, you know, three or four years ago. And every couple of years, they'll send them back, and I can readjust them for the weight and then send them back. You know, if they're within 5, 10 pounds or where they were the year before, it won't matter. But, uh, you know, I'll readjust them and send them back to them. And, you know, 
whenever they're first start out, they may have the, the one can or the one roller taken out. So as they get older, I adjust them for whatever weight they have and then send them back. So basically, they'll last as long as the kids hunt, you know, right through adulthood. So, you know, everything we do, if you bought a blackout, you set it back, okay, I want a pro series. I could make your blackout a pro series. If you want new webbing, we can put webbing. And any, any new additions we make on the unit, we're going to make it so if you bought the first one seven years ago, you could send it to me and I could send you back the latest and greatest with an upgrade charge. So you're, you're never out of, you know, out of stock. You don't need to buy a new bow every year. You know, if you've got, you can be upgraded to whatever the, the latest one is. So Right. That's awesome. So you're just basically, if somebody has a, like an older unit and they want to send it to you and have you, you know, redo the webbing yeah. and stuff, you're just going to prorate them on the cost basically. Yeah. Exactly. We're working on that stuff. Basically yeah. just what it costs. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of people do that, you know, started out the first year, uh, all those ones, I think we've already had back, quite a few of them, anyway, yeah. and we've redid, that, you know, the new web. We had nylon to start with on the rollers, and now we're in the Delrin roller, uh, you know, just the upgrades, the webbing, everything else, so. Yeah, each one has a serial number on it, so if you have a family and you've got you know, four or five different people of different weights using it. You can keep track of which which wingman belongs to who by serial numbers. And the other thing is, once we get 10,000 of these sold, we're going to give away a four-wheeler based off the registered uh, serial numbers. That That's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> so, they better yeah. not lose them then. No, they should. I mean, it won't do you better if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's true. It's yeah. registered on your end, right? So it should be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we have a registry with everybody that's bought one. We're yeah. in 4,000 right now. Excellent, Very excellent. Cool. That is awesome. I, I will say I really like the fact that you guys keep uh, hitting on, you know, to use this piece of equipment over and over again, get used to it, get familiar with it. But what that does, too, that builds confidence in that product. And, you know, we preach it all the time. You have to have confidence in whatever you're using out there, whether it's your bow, your safety harness, your your falling system, you know, your tree stand, whatever you're using, you have to have confidence in it. And that makes the experience, like you guys have said multiple times, that much better. So I really appreciate that you keep hammering that fact in. Um, one question I did have, though, as well on the unit. Now, would you suggest... Um, for people, what if somebody wanted to put a camouflage webbing on there? They wanted to go out and buy their own webbing and put it through your unit. Would you say, hey, don't do that. You know, let us take care of the webbing because it's a specific webbing. Um, or what would you say? Yeah, that's a heavy-duty polyester webbing there, which polyester, typical nylon stretches 20%. Uh, that on polyester, it's only 5 10%. Well, nylon, what Exposed to the wet, weather and stuff, it'll start to uh, mold and deteriorate. So the webbing is really crucial. I, I did have a camo one. One of my first prototypes was a camo, but it was a thinner webbing. It wasn't the quality that we and, wanted. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't rated high enough uh, for the weight break. So, I mean, I did a lot of falls with it. It worked fine. But this is set for a thicker, heavier webbing. 
Right, right. Uh, I, I wanted to make a point of that because there's a lot of people out there nowadays that are DIY kind of guys. They like they, to tinker. Yeah, they like to tinker. They'll grab a product and they'll start to try to change it and do their own thing. And to be on the safe yeah. side, I want to make sure, you know, coming from the guy that has created it, that has put it together, what you guys recommend. No, because the webbing would have to be the same weight, thickness, mm-hmm. and basic structure. Because uh, basically that goes through the unit and it's got to have enough belay through the system that it won't bypass the system. And if you go to a thinner webbing, I can make it work, but I have to adjust the unit to it. You just don't throw a new webbing smaller and have to go right out of the box. Excellent. So, so that would. Yeah. yeah. And truthfully, if, if you're worried about having it tampo or whatever, just roll up the slack and keep it in the up in the stand with you. you oh, know? yeah, because for sure. It's up behind you. You're in the tree. It's and dark. It's, it's dark. You're not going to see it. So there's there's that point of I mean we've had people that wanted to we had the one guy took and hit the loop was too big for him because he didn't run it back through the unit mm. so wife cut it off and then she sewed it back over I said well you do realize that a special polyester sewing thread there because everything has to rate for about five thousand pound brake weight so everything's tested to handle that. I'm not sure if his wife's nylon thread out of the socket is heavy enough to hold it. Well, and we have a special stitching pattern. When we sew the loops, there are a prescribed number of stitches that have to, to be to that there that will um, make that break weight. Right. So I'm pretty sure she doesn't have a CNC sewing machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very fair. Very fair. I'm glad we touched on that just for the safety aspect to make sure that you know, when you get this product, don't tinker with it. If you want anything special, just just talk to talk to Wayne and Shauna. They'll hook you up. Don't worry about it. Call us. I mean, we've had guys that wanted longer webbings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we figured 30 feet was more than enough for everybody, but we've had what you request for 40 feet. Yeah. There was a guy in Virginia that had a stand, and it was 60 feet of webbing he wanted. It wasn't high enough to get him to the ground. He didn't figure, but it was long enough to get him to where there was a platform that he'd be on. He showed me a picture of it. You could see I just can't imagine hunting out of a <laughs> No. Is he hunting out of a JLG lift or what? I thought it was a skyscraper. <laughs> it was on the top of a mountain, and it was high. Well, you get these guys that are on mountainsides, and mm-hmm. so one to the tree, it's only 20 feet to the ground. Then it drops off, and on the other side, it's 40 feet down. So if he was on the right side of the tree and fell, he'd be okay. But if, you know, he was on the wrong side, he could be dangling. I so. think we had a guy from Kentucky. He had a uh, boarding goods store down And he used to call and order, I don't know, five or six a year and put them in the store and sell them. And we were talking to him one day. I said, well, you seem to be doing pretty good on sales and stuff. He said, yeah, he said, there's still a lot of guys who won't buy them. And I said, well, what seems to be the problem? He said, well, down there, because it's so rocky and hilly, he said, if you fall out of a stand and fall to the ground, he said it was like 90% fatal. Everybody who fell to the ground was so rocky was dying. They were always hitting their heads on the rock. And he oh. said, even those people who had family members that died, he said, some of them won't buy them. I said, well, 
you know, you can only show them what it is and how it works. And, you know, it's up to each individual, you know, how they want to, you know, save themselves or, you know, protect themselves. But, you know, like you were saying about being familiar with your equipment, most of the time when you go out, it's daylight or, you know, I guess in the morning, if you went up early, there are times where if you're not proficient with your equipment, you know, like at night, if you're coming back, it's dark when you're packing everything up and back down. So you have to be pretty proficient knowing your bow, knowing your, you know, your wingman, your harness, and how your system works. So you can do it even in the dark. Like I said, either going up or down, it'll be dark one time or the other. So you have to be pretty, pretty proficient with it. Definitely. Wayne, what big fan going out at zero dark thirty? So he's doing well, stuff in the dark on the beginning of the day. My man. Yeah, there's time. I go up in the morning. It's dark, and I come down. It's dark at night. So. <laughs> the I'm a fan. But I, I don't worry anymore because I know he's got a wingman. So. That's awesome. Well, I, I do want to say, you know, it's been an absolute phenomenal conversation about this product. Is there anything that we missed before we let you guys go? Well, I wanted to touch on the safety again from mm -hmm. the, the state point of view. You know, I agree with the gun safety and everything, but typically there's one, one or two people that are killed with a, you know, gun in the state. Here three years ago, I think we lost seven people to freestand injuries. And typically we lose three to four just in Pennsylvania alone. So it's a cunning state. Uh, there's, you know, hundreds of injuries, if not a thousand injuries in Pennsylvania, you know, year, every year. So it's just something we need to take seriously. You know, know what your equipment is. If you're going to wear a harness alone. Make sure you know that you're going to have to get that harness. You know, if you're hunting with somebody, that changes the calculus too. You know, if if you're hunting with a younger child with a lifeline, they probably don't need a wingman. But if they're by themselves, definitely recommend it, you know. Well, the other part of that is, um, you know, years back, we didn't have to wear seat belts in cars. Right. You know, as, as a child, my seat belt was my mother's arm clothes lining my neck. Because <laughs> I, I was generally standing feet, you know, but... You know, over the years, they became more accepted. You ever watch a, a five or a six-year-old get into a car now? I mean, they think they have to have a car seat. So mm -hmm. it's been ingrained in them. And I would like to see this happen with the sender systems for tree stand hunters. You know, if we bring up the next generation hunter using these, it it'll be not even a not even an, an a thought. You know. Because, I mean, it's been really hard to get guys to use safety harnesses, full-body safety harnesses, because they see that they can die from hanging. Yeah. And so, and I mean, you still have the guys that tell me they want to use just a lineman's belt. That's just silly. And yeah. There's, I mean, if you look at the, the horrific injuries you get, because with a linesman's belt, the first thing that's going to happen is your face is going to hit the tree. Mm -hmm. So... I can attest you know, to that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, hoping that as we go along, you know, like Wayne, I don't like to see things legislated that we have to do this, but it's smart to do this. It's it's smart to make sure you get to get down safe 
and go back out hunting, you know. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we're big proponents of people wearing their safety harnesses. We preach that all the time. I am in total agreement with you guys. I would love to see people using this sort of system more. I would love to see them use your system more. You know, that being said, this has been a wonderful podcast. And I can't do our, our fans a disservice and not get a story out of you guys. Because this that's what this podcast is all about. We love the stories as well. Can I get a favorite hunting story out of each of you guys? It's kind of on the spot. I know I'm, I know I'm throwing you on the spot here. I didn't put it on the list either because I feel like it's better off the cuff. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. When I were just <coughs> dating and he put me up on a ladder stand. Um, and we were hunting in that thing he was talking about earlier. And I, this was the first time I ever went hunting with him. First time, and he let me, I didn't have a gun of my own. He let me borrow his special gun. And so he puts me up in this stand and he tromps off, you know. And honestly, I don't think we even had cell phones back in those, you know, we're really old. But <laughs> um, so he, he goes tromping off and he leaves me. And I'm sitting there and it's, you know, getting light, and here comes this nice little buck just tromping down through the, um, down through the woods there, and he's coming right toward me, and I stand up on the stand, and I pull up on him, and I shot him, and he went probably 30 yards, and he piled up on a logging road. Well, I was all excited about everything, because this was like the third deer I'd shot in my life, and this one actually had antlers on it. You know, I shot a button buck once before, and I think I shot a doe one year. And so I was all excited that I had shot this buck, you know, and that it was coming. So I, I had buck fever. But when I shot that gun, that stand felt like it dropped about a foot oh my. from under me. But I didn't fall off, and I didn't drop the gun. So you don't want to drop Wayne's special gun. <laughs> no, no, no. And I didn't fall rope and I didn't have a safety harness on. And, you know, all of these things that I now would never, ever think of doing, I was, I was doing, but you know, I was young and stupid. And so I get down out of the stand and I get to the buck and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all of a sudden his brother shows up with his little pickup truck and That's so a gunshot because he heard <laughs> he heard the shot. so he come down over the hill and so we took care of the deer and got it in the back of the truck and we went up to where you know, we were parked and we waited well he didn't come out till lunchtime and i said why didn't you come when you heard me shoot and he said i thought you missed <laughs> oh man so I was like, "Well, you have little faith." So, <laughs> so that that was that was the first deer I shot since he and I have been together, and so that that was that was probably my favorite hunting story. That's a great story. Yeah. I love that. Uh, probably for me, probably the favorite hunting trip I ever had was a friend of mine and I went to Alaska for two weeks, uh, flew into Anchorage, and then we two weeks floating down the river. Uh, just hunting and fishing. You get up in the morning, you want to go hunt, you went up on the mountain hunt, you know, or you went fishing, you know. And a couple mornings there, one morning I went upstream fishing, and I found a little beaver dam up there. 
and I fished probably six till 10 o'clock and I was never able to get my lure back in. I was catching 10, 12 pound, you know, dog and chum salmon. Uh, so finally about 10, my hands were so cut up from letting the fish go. I thought, well, I'll take one back to camp and I'll have lunch. So I get back there. My buddy went down below. We come up and he has a stringer like six salmon on it. And I'm like, what are you doing with those? He said, well, I thought we'd eat them. I'm like, we couldn't eat them in a week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he had a whole stringer up there. So we let them. They kind of fluttered off in the water, I guess. But, yeah, it was just, just a great time. So, yeah, that was, that was probably my favorite hunt trip. But. That's amazing. That sounds like an awesome hunt, too. That's actually one of my bucket list hunts is a, is a float trip up in Alaska particularly well, for moose, but that sounds awesome. Food, because yeah. when he came home, he weighed about 110 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I, I dropped I dropped 25 pounds in two weeks up there. Holy smokes. Just hiking and going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're eating real healthy. A, yeah, buddy of mine tried a caribou like the second day, so we had that meat. Uh, the area we were in, that moose had to be over 50 inches, and we seen one that was, boy, it was close, or it could have, it had to have more than two brow tines on the bottom. Well, the one side had two, but the other side had the velvet and grass, and I could not tell. And we actually floated up on him, and I got on the bank there, and I couldn't tell, and he ran off. And my buddy was wondering, why didn't you shoot him? You'll never get another shot. I didn't think he was legal. I mean, but it had probably five-foot-tall paddles. Oh, man. When he turned and looked, it had to be over 50 inches wide. And when he turned and looked at me, they weren't laid out. They were just like field goal posts. <laughs> so, so I told him, my buddy, I said, well, you go down to the bottom, take the raft. I said, I'll circle around the top of this island, and I'll come down through there. So I come down through there, and he's sitting there, and I'm like, did you see it? I heard it go out through there. He goes, yeah, we're well, right through there. I'm like, well, you, why didn't you shoot it? Well, I couldn't tell. I'm like, well, it was legal when I didn't shoot it. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was legal, you know. Well, I ended up it wasn't because some other guy shot it like two days later. It was 47 inches with two brow tines on each side. So. Oh, man. That guy, uh, we seen him when the warden flew out with the uh, horns on the bottom of the plane. But they took their guns, and it was like a $10,000 fine when they got back. So, Well, yeah, I'm glad wasn't. you didn't shoot him then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so am I. <laughs> yeah. You figure out in the middle of nowhere, you know, what trouble can you get in, but... Yeah, if you're not careful, you can get in a lot of trouble in those areas. But yeah, it was it was really rustic. I mean, there's that's probably the most alone you feel when the airplane drops you on the lake and then flies over the mountain going back out to Anchorage. I looked around, and there wasn't even a Tweety Bird making noise. I'm like, whoa, where are we at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, that's that is, awesome. That is phenomenal. What do you what do you think? Once in a lifetime, you think you'll ever make it back out there? Well, I talked to a, a guy I work with now. His son was stationed up in Alaska. And now you can't hunt anything without a guide. So we did a float trip there, very reasonable, got flight back in. And actually, when we went out of Erie, we had to leave like our camp stoves, we, anything, our lights, the fuel, they wouldn't let us fly up there with it. So we get up there and I said, well, you know, we weren't able to bring half our gear. And the guy, who runs the service, they said, we'll go in that room there. And the, it was probably a 200 by 300 building. He said, pick what you want. 
So we went in there and we got backpacks, we got stoves, we got fuel, we got all the stuff when we come back. And I said, well, what's this going to run us? He said, uh, 25 bucks. How's that sound? I said, sold. Yeah. So I said, how do you do it so cheap? He said, well, this stuff's all stuff people brought up here and couldn't fly back with it. So they just gave it to them, you know, so it didn't cost them anything. And they just rented everything out, going back out and coming. He said, when you cut, we're going to get it back when you come out, if you lot, if you're, you know, it's arrived. So. Jeez. Heck of a deal, though. (laughs) No, but it was, you know, back then you could just do that. I I had a moose tag. I had two caribou tags. I had a black bear tag and a fishing lice. And we had an extra, I think it was a 14-foot Zodiac rolled up. If we killed stuff, you know, we're going to open it up and float that down. But with all the tags I had, I couldn't have took all the meat out with two, three rafts, you know. Yeah, man. You were ready well, to the, rock, man. Well, the thing was back then, if you had a moose tag, you could tag a caribou or a black bear with it. Anything of less value, you could tag with it. So I only needed a moose and one caribou tag, and I'd have probably been good for the week. But, you know, you're flying back in there. You don't know if you ever do it again. So I, I bought all of them that I could. So. Yeah, why not? It's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. thing, man. That's beautiful. awesome. That is absolutely yep. awesome. So I guess now you have to have a have to have a guide. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, when we were there, there's some guys from Germany were being pulled out at the same time we got taken out, and they were only allowed to fish. And I guess probably that's what you'd have to do now, which it would be worth it for that. Uh, like I said, we were late August when the moose season come in, but early August is when the king salmon are spawning. And we found some carcasses of some, just some massive fish. I mean, you know, I don't know, fish almost as tall as I am, you know, five foot. 10 or so, you know, probably 100-pound fish anyways. That's King amazing. Salmon. Holy smokes. But they're all just the carcasses and stuff. But I guess during the weeks when the king salmon are spawning, the river we were on has the largest population of brown bears anywhere in Alaska. That's so, scary. <laughs> give and take. We went, <laughs> we went in for two weeks, and we covered 200 miles of river, and there was no time we went up on the banks that there wasn't a three foot wide path right down to mud from the bears oh man i bet you didn't see any bears while you're up there huh well there was (laughs) shauna's dad and brother were in another group and they were down below and we were supposed to be doing the upper world we didn't find much moose so we ended up going down to the lower section of this river and we stayed in a spot that they cleared out and it was in this big opening and they had probably a 30-yard square cleared out in the alders there. Every night we were there, we stayed there two nights, there was a bear that come up there because there was a big pool down below it, and he was getting salmon in there. And he just laid out there and growled all night. Yeah, so. that is too close for comfort <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Get... <laughs> wow. Sounds like Absolutely a lot of wild. That sounds like a blast, man. That is really cool. I love that story. You want to do, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. Well, we're we're there on time, guys. Um, I would love to give you that guys the opportunity right now. Let people know where they can find you on you know the social media accounts, your website, all that fun stuff. Uh, the website is just www.treestandweeman.com. Just perfect. Just put in treestandweeman.com. We have a YouTube channel, same thing, Treestand Wingman. And we do have a Facebook page. 
I haven't been very active with it lately, but I, I figured I would start again here soon, you know, as, as people are starting to gather up stuff and get their gear going for this year. So, um, but you can reach us by phone. You can send us an email from the website and I usually respond within a day, you know, a lot of times I, if I'm not in the house when the phone rings, I'll, I'll answer calls in the afternoon, whatever, but Perfect. leave me a message. You know, like I said, if, if people have any special needs, if they wanted a wingman set for a, a younger hunter or for a lady that's, or even a man that's smaller, you know, lighter weight, if you're, you're under like 170 pounds, you might want to, you know, check with us. But you can order them off the website. They are available on Amazon. There's a couple of companies that buy them and, and, and sell them off Amazon. But if it if it wasn't made by Wayne and I, it's not a wingman. So um, definitely, you know, you want to try and get it from our site. So. Definitely. Definitely. That's the most trustworthy place for it anyway. Oh, and the other thing I'd like to mention is we do do a discount for military EMTs, uh, first responders. So Excellent. I love that. If, if you are a veteran or active military or police, give us a call and order yours and we'll, we'll take care of you. Beautiful. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on, taking time out of your night. This has been absolutely awesome. And I love that we got to start our series on this one. We appreciate it. We appreciate the time to tell our story. Perfect. Thank you guys.